Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. I'm Dylan. And I'm a soggy basement. I <laughs> My voice has the quality of wet dirt right now, so forgive me if I become very hoarse over the course of this episode. But I'm here recording because I love you, and I hope you love me. I'm, I'm pretty fond of you. Uh, well, shucks. Thanks, co-host. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this week, we're going to do... We're totally not doing an E3 recap, because yeah. that's that ain't us. Uh that's it would not be, the spirit of the show, and it would feel disingenuous. Yeah, to do it'd be that. really wild if we came in. We were like, "Sup, gamers? It's your boys, Dylan and the Cree, and we're gonna be talking about our top five and bottom five. Like, no, <laughs> that's that ain't that ain't it, fam. The same uh, chief. But we do want to talk a little bit about E3 because, for one thing, we're a gaming podcast, and it would be kind of conspicuous if we didn't touch on it at all. But also, there were a few games that were released that got us very excited and also spawned a lot of conversation in the community in a way that is like kind of fascinating and we're going to be sort of engaging with that this week that was kind of a vague way of <laughs> introducing our topic but if you come along with us it'll start to make more sense uh in the meantime how are you dylan i'm doing pretty well i don't know why i began talking because i didn't have anything to say <laughs> well if it makes you feel better, I might not be as loopy as you, but I'm pretty loopy because I just got I just wrapped up recording for Dude You Remember Macross. Yeah, so you just got a, a big full day on the mic today. Yeah. Uh fuck it. We're not gonna do no banter this week. We don't got time for it. Uh I don't know what creature <laughs> just came out of me, but I think you he's have to right. Fight that creature. He wants us not to talk like friends. <laughs> um <laughs> So the, the the topic for this week is sort of looking at We're, the, we're cherry picking E3 stuff right now. Yeah, we're we're gonna look at a few things from E3, but specifically we're gonna look at how E3 is really a chance for game developers and their publishing teams to get people excited about things. You they show off elements of a game and they sort of create in a way they're sort of creating a narrative about like what that game is going to be like and what you can expect that game to be. And they're inviting the community, they're inviting the fans, they're inviting people who are excited or in some cases not excited about these games to engage with that narrative. And they're it this is gonna sound like kind of conspiracy-ish, sort of, but it's a it's an effort by the people who make these games to get them to stick in the public consciousness and to get people to talk about them and to get people to theorize and to get people to... I, I was explaining this to someone who doesn't really follow a lot of video games uh, last week. Mm -hmm. E3 is basically... E3 is to video game fans that, you know, the NFL draft is to sports fans. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. That's a really concise metaphor. Yeah. Um, for any of you who don't do sports, the NFL draft is a big deal because it's the teams getting to fill out their rosters with all of the players that are like, quote-unquote, on the market. So any players whose contracts are up or who are free agents who have done well in previous seasons or are coming right out of uh, the college 
athletics world with like really good records. It's a Pokemon game for football franchises. Yeah, like they're a trying lot of to catch them all. Trying to, trying to like get their ideal lineups for teams and stuff like that. Yeah, but um, it also serves as a big like it is the quote unquote kickoff of like that NFL season because even though any there's not going to be any games for a while right after the draft that's when people know what big talent are on what teams and it lets people start to theorize about like oh this game this this team is going to be like really well suited to do well in their conference and all that kind of like same thing we're talking about here it gets the fans excited it gets the fans talking yeah um and that's what E3 does only instead of E3 does that but it's a little bit more opulent (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it's a lot more uh it's a lot weirder (laughs) yeah dylan i I, I think it is it it is peak gamer culture in that like you have a bunch of ceos in suits except not suits no they're wearing blazers and t-shirts they're trying to appeal relatable to the gamers so yeah they're wearing blazers and t-shirts and jeans and it's disgusting Um, and it's it's very much trying to cater to like we're casual and cool, just like you. Our tech company's basically a startup, even though it's Microsoft. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a lot about E3 that, like, I get excited to see what comes out of E3. I was watching the press conferences from work this week because I'm a good employee. Yeah, um, I mean, you 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 kind of want to see like what gets announced. You want to see like, oh, Nintendo's got looking like they got some pretty decent exclusives. Or like, oh, this company announced a new IP. That's really cool. Yeah. But then what's always fascinating is in the wake of E3, there's always a few things that stick. And sometimes it's a weird thing, like former Nintendo of America president uh, Reggie Fils-Aimé saying, my body is ready in reference to standing on a Wii balance board. Uh, (laughs) And sometimes (laughs) it's a game that is either really really exciting really really bad looking or incredibly polarizing and that's kind of what we're going to be looking at today to start with dylan you were very excited to talk about this finally after what nine years in development um let's see it got announced in 2015 so it's actually not quite that only like five but finally after a pretty long stint in development we have a release date for the long-awaited final fantasy 7 remake game part one part one they're splitting it into two parts part one sounds like it's going to be two blu-ray discs so uh we don't know how many parts it'll be but yeah i'm, I'm gonna guess three maybe four yeah we'll um, see. but this ga- this announcement was made and it also came with our first look at what gameplay is actually going to look like for this game because like and... we, we've seen clips before but they actually did the breakdown of like what is actually going on under the hood yeah, and this was polarizing. So, uh, do you want to give a quick like history, history lesson, lesson on Final yeah. Fantasy VII? Yeah. So, Final Fantasy's been around for oh, God thirty years now, <laughs> almost thirty years, like roughly thirty years. Yeah, Final, Final Fantasy One, I think, was eighty-seven. Yeah, it's been yeah. thirty-two years of the finalist fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um. Final Fantasy Seven or Final Fantasy as a franchise has been around for thirty-two years. Um, and originally it was very tabletop RPG inspired. Um, little bit of that, little bit of Dragon Quest, and it's very much uh based on turn-based combat. You have a party of characters, you give them different equipment, which make their stats go up, which makes their performance in battle go up, and you know it like a tabletop RPG. It's very hands-off in terms of, like, your skill or dexterity and more based on how well have you built these characters and what are the odds of you getting lucky or unlucky um, when you're fighting. And so, you know, that that is its own niche of gameplay. A lot of people are RPG fans because they love, they love this indirect approach to combat. Final Fantasy, like, as the series has been 
has been getting more and more modern, and as uh, Final Fantasy VII in 1997 was this runaway hit, not because of its battle system, but because of the way it was marketed. Starting with Final Fantasy IV, the, the games have gotten a lot more story and character driven, and so by the time Final Fantasy VII came out, American marketers wisely decided to market the game as a movie you could play, because in addition to it being a very character driven story, there is now like cutscenes with like swooping dramatic camera angles and that w- that was the direction they wanted to take it in uh this is this is a movie that you can play or a tv series that you can play and so the scope of the the world and the story is what sold it for a lot of people there are people who like turn-based combat but final fantasy 7 was popular not because of that it was popular because of its size and yeah. the variety of stuff that happens and the plot twists that were within the story. It's an experience that's, that is greater than the sum of its parts, if I'm being honest. And so, you know, as the series went on, like, as they stuck to their traditional, like, turn-based combat, you know, people started to move on. Uh, someone who played Final Fantasy VII back because it was the killer app on the PS1, you know, might have moved on to... I remember my manager at my old job uh, was actually talking about, like, people still play Final Fantasy VII. Like, wh- why not Skyrim? That's such a better <laughs> game. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and then eight angry gamers wandering the shelves beat him to death. Yeah, but, like, that make I get it, though. I That makes sense. Uh, a lot of video game players, particularly in America, want games that are more hands-on with their approach to combat. They want something with a little bit more of, like, direct control. And so Square's, uh, Square Enix, the developer of Final Fantasy, they've tried to kind of steer the series into something that is more commercially, uh, you know, commercially popular, because, you know, they have traditional turn-based combat with their other franchise, Dragon Quest. So with Final Fantasy, they've tried to get a bit more experimental so it could be that all-encompassing, super-duper mega-hit that Final Fantasy VII was back on the PS1. And so, with Final Fantasy XV, that was, like, the first time where they went all into more action-heavy combat, to mixed results, if I'm being honest. But Final Fantasy VII was them uh, putting, like, the director Tetsuya Nomura on board. He's done a lot of more action-oriented games in the past. Uh, and it, they're basically remaking Final Fantasy VII now, but, you know, they're they're trying to go for the broadest audience possible. So instead of being, you know, I guess I quote-unquote faithful recreation of what Final Fantasy VII is, they are trying to create the Final Fantasy VII that people who might have played it 20 years ago would be more interested in playing today. Yeah, and they're doing that through, for the most part, an updating of the combat system. Yeah. The footage they've shown seems to be pretty faithful, like, narratively and story-wise. They seem to have fleshed out a lot of the minor characters that you sort of adventure alongside yeah, in the early so portion of the game. That's, and like That's kind of what I wanted to talk about a little bit. What my initial pitch was, I think that the remake of Final Fantasy VII is more in the spirit of Final Fantasy VII than Final Fantasy VII. And you know what? That is honestly, like, large portions of what I want to talk about. about. The other things from E3 that had us both thinking are probably shorter discussions. Yeah. The big change that yes. we have seen from Final Fantasy VII 1997 to this upcoming remake is mechanically. And what we have seen is now, instead of Final Fantasy VII's battle system in which you and your party stand in a line and wait for your little, like, it's your turn to move bar to fill up before selecting an action, now it's much more of a, like, sort of character action game light for lack of a better way of putting it, like you've got dodges and attacks and blocks and you can move around in real time and slice at the guys fighting you. And doing that fills up a little action bar. And once you have a full bar or two full bars, you can enter into like a freeze frame and select a more powerful option, like casting a spell or using a limit move or like all of these different things that your characters have. And honestly, I think that's really cool. I I remember once in high school I was playing Final Fantasy VI, which, mind you, I do not think if Final Fantasy VI were ever remade, it should play like this Final Fantasy VII action-heavy remake. Mm-hmm. But I was playing Final Fantasy VI, and I'm like, you know, all these characters are so cool and have their own unique set of abilities and weapon types. I wonder how it would be 
like to play as them in an action game. I feel like that'd be really cool. So it's just kind of funny that like my idea of what that would be is what the FF7 remake yeah. <laughs> ended up being. Yeah. And so you can like switch between your party members in real time and you can switch between them to use their, you know, action bar. And, and they all have different abilities. properties. I've I've listened to uh people who have played like given their impressions of the demos that they played at E3. And, you know, you have Cloud, who's, like, your very basic standard, like, swordsman. Um, and then you have Barrett, who he has he has a Gatling gun. <laughs> he's Mr. T with arm. a gun hand. Uh, actually, he's more Wesley Snipes now. Yeah, that's uh, fair. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, he has a gun arm grafted onto him. And he he's much bigger, bulkier. He, he can't dodge quite as well, but I think his defense is higher. And he can be used to take out ranged enemies. So there's... There's this very deliberate, like, focus on strategy, but it's a different kind of strategy. It's more based on, like, what your character can and can't do and their moveset and what is viable for them, rather than how have you equipped these characters and prepared them to go into battle. Because, like, you know, with, with some exceptions and some, like, very specific moments, every character in the original Final Fantasy VII is the same, mechanically. Yeah. Like, they might have different base stats, but, like, you can... You can manipulate those pretty easily so they're all very interchangeable uh yeah this new and, final fantasy 7 you have to think more about like what each character's strength and weakness is when you're playing as them which to segue back to the more interesting side of the conversation mm-hmm. uh is very much in the spirit of the original game like final fantasy 7 is cloud is the main character but it's very much an ensemble story from everything Not that I've seen. Not quite as much as Six, but yeah, there there are moments where they will switch and leave Cloud's perspective, definitely. Yeah. And even when you're staying with Cloud, it's very much about Cloud's relationship with the people around him. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that this game is making them all of those people not only narratively distinct, but mechanically distinct is a very cool way of reinforcing that. Yeah. Um, in the original Final Fantasy VII, the only thing that really differentiated characters was their uh, their limit breaks or their special attacks that they all had. Um, they all had different properties and different animations, and so like really, the character that the characters that you wanted to put in your party were mostly dependent on that. There are some things that are different, like Barrett, because he uses guns, he can you can put him in the back row and he'll take less damage, but he'll deal the same amount of damage. But now I'm I'm getting into, like, the pedantic stuff. <laughs> I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, like, Final Fantasy VII, when, like, look when looked at, like, in the scope of the series it's part of, it, it was kind of the first time where they were, like, really, really trying to do something different. There are a lot of, like, v- very action-heavy moments in the story and these great set pieces. Chris, uh, you bought the game last night, actually, so yeah. you, you Not the remake. The, the remake isn't out yet, but I... I have seen and read and heard a lot about Final Fantasy VII, and now I finally have a system I can play it on, so I got the port for my Nintendo Switch, and I'm starting it up, and I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah. So, you know, like, there's that moment in the game where Cloud fights an entire wave of soldiers who are chasing after him. It's so cool. And then he gets away by jumping on a train, and, like, that is kind I think that's what people like about Final Fantasy VII. There's a lot of cool story stuff. There's a lot of cool moments that, like, feel very action-packed. It starts out with you sneaking into a facility and blowing up a reactor. Oh, it's um, super, it's super uh, in media's res compared to a lot of JRPGs where you have a whole, like, three-hour section about your idyllic life in the family village. Yeah. they Final Fantasy's actually always been pretty good about that. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm thinking about the Final Fantasy games I've played, and I... I think they got rid of that sort of trope. In the second game, actually. Yeah, like, the first the game doesn't have game... it because the first game doesn't have any story. Yeah. Final Fantasy three is that way a little bit. Okay, so Final Fantasy two cold opens with, uh, you're, like, in a battle and you get your ass kicked by the evil empire. Uh, three, I think, starts with, uh, the NES version starts with the party falling into the first dungeon and trying to fight their way back out. Yeah, I, on- I only ever played three... Uh, on the DS, the DS on the port. DS, it's just it's just the main character, and then you got to go around and recruit the rest of them um, yeah. when you get back out. Uh, four starts in media res. You play the soldier. He's a captain of a squad of soldiers. This is a digression, but I just I think it's cool to talk yeah. about. Um, Six starts off with that super awesome like mech exploration chunk. 
Yeah, yeah. Square's been pretty good about, like, their their cold opens with Final yeah. Fantasy. Um, you know, some start more mundane than others, but... I guess I was thinking, I've been playing Dragon Quest recently. Yeah, and you, so... you're, you're talking in comparison to, like, Dragon Quest, uh, a lot of Tales games start yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the sort of wider JRPG ecosystem. Yeah. Chrono Trigger. <laughs> <laughs> Which I also bought recently. Oh, nice. Um, you're going to have to tell me how that Steam port is, because I've heard they've improved it. Yeah, uh, I, pretty well. I haven't had much time to play it yet, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Digressions. I, I guess, like, you know, Final Fantasy VII fans like Final Fantasy VII for things outside of its combat. I know that there are fans who like it for its combat and its very specific brand of typical Final Fantasy combat system. But I think, you know, what Square's trying to do with this remake is that they are trying to appeal to the fans who maybe weren't, never really played that game for its combat. And, you know, maybe Kingdom Hearts fans who really saw Cloud in Kingdom Hearts and thought he was really cool, but, like, yeah. also they're, weren't about that combat. They're turning it into a game that will be fun even if you didn't play Final Fantasy VII. I think, and I, I guess to that end, I think it's honoring Final Fantasy VII as a cultural touchstone. Yes. More so than Final Fantasy VII as an RPG. And while, you know, if they remade, like, any other Final Fantasy, if I'm being honest, like, with this same level of action and panache, with, like, less emphasis on character building and that kind of strategy, I might raise an eyebrow... With Final Fantasy VII, it feels fine because it was always kind of about that level of excitement and yeah, adrenaline. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting to look at, like, the way... Like, we haven't seen much in terms of the game yet. Mm -hmm. But what we have seen feels very true to the original writing of Final Fantasy VII. I was which... actually going to talk about that. It feels like a lot of people, a lot of uh, the team that Square hired to work on the Seven remake were people who played 7 when they were kids. They they deliberately wanted people who were fans of the original, who kind of maybe know something that the original creators might have forgotten or didn't consider uh, that landed with them, uh, and kind of translate that. So I think a lot of the dialogue from what I've seen and from what people have said about uh, that happens in the game takes the elements that people liked about the original characters and just makes it snappier and more in your face for yeah. example uh the character of tifa very popular character in the original ff7 like so in F in final fantasy 7 you play as a group of eco terrorists i feel like that's something important to get yeah. out of the way <laughs> and in the original game tifa maybe has like one line of like wait did this happen because it's our fault but you know it's it's kind of brushed aside because like at the end of the day she's still part of this group and like they're fighting against the big bad evil corporation in Shinra. The, yeah <laughs> in the e3 trailer like they dedicate like a snippet of a scene where cloud and tifa are talking over drinks and he's asking if she has any second thoughts and that is opening up like a whole new character arc for her that like was only implied yep. in the original it's and, and like that level the... of detail and character building is vital to revisiting a game like this, I think. Oh, yeah. Like, overall, I'm very excited for this because they seem to be doing a really good job at engaging with what Final Fantasy VII does well and finding ways to update with those things in mind. And I think that that's very smart. And for the most part... The reception to this has been very good, but as with all things where there are fans, <laughs> there have been people who are really not happy with what they've seen. Yeah, and I honestly, I think Square fans are impossible. It It is impossible to please every Final Fantasy fan because the series has done so much to reinvent itself with every game that it is impossible to play a Final Fantasy game that plays exactly like the Final Fantasy game you like. Yeah, and I think it's worth considering Square are doing a very good job at marketing this game on its strengths and showing what's different and showing what is going to be worthwhile about revisiting this game that is at this point 22 years old. I have like but, maybe one problem, but I'll let you finish, sorry. <laughs> yeah, just like at the same time, 
this is entirely their job. Like, they're trying to show all the best sides of this. And it's also always worth considering E3 demos, E3 gameplay snippets are a complete fabrication. <laughs> yeah. Like, not to say, not to, like, disparage this thing before it comes out, because it could be very cool. It's looking very good. It looks like, from all the trailers and all the gameplay we've seen, like like we've been saying, it looks like it's coming from a cool place. Mm-hmm. But studios frequently will, like, splice together gameplay to create an E3 trailer that looks good, even though that gameplay bears absolutely, like, a very surface-level similarity to what gameplay will actually look like in the final product. Mm-hmm. Famously, um... Aliens, Colonial Marines. Aliens, Colonial, Colonial Marines. Uh, even more recently, De- um, Anthem. Uh, the original yeah, Anthem yeah. E3 trailer blew people's fucking socks off, and then oh, the I game... Knew. I, I had no faith in that trailer. <laughs> I thought it was a really cool trailer. I also had very little expectation that it was actually going to be as cool as they were showing. Yeah. But, like, it's always worth considering that these events, all of the press con- conferences at E3, they are manufactured to get you excited. It might be real. Final Fantasy VII Remake is looking real cool. I've heard good things from people who've actually played the game. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they're working to get idiots like us sitting in front of microphones to talk about it. And hey, I guess we're playing right into their fucking trap card. It's fucking working. <laughs> uh, anything else on FF7 that you wanted to talk about, Dylan? The party banter is really good. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. Very much. Very yeah. much, yes. The uh, the one issue I have, and this is more to do with the story itself than like the presentation or anything we've been talking about. But I have very mixed feelings about like... Sephiroth showing up early and I have to talk around this because I don't want to spoil you or any of the listeners on like what's actually going on but they're in in Final Fantasy 7 they don't show Sephiroth until like the wrap up of this first arc that they are doing with this uh this first part of the remake like you don't act, I don't think we're actually if Final Fantasy 7 as it was in 1997 if that was the same script they were using for the game that we are getting on in March, mm-hmm. uh, we actually shouldn't see Sephiroth at all. Interesting. And there's a lot of mystery and build up to him. And I know we were going to talk about like what makes it. We we're planning on doing an episode on what makes a good villain. Um, I have mixed feelings on Sephiroth as a character, but as a villain, he is. The build up to him is crazy, and Cloud has like visions of him now in the remake. And everyone knows who Sephiroth is, so we don't really need to build that mystery. But I am afraid that it's going to take away from the antagonists of that first arc. Yeah. If you don't know who Sephiroth is, he's a long-haired angel man with a real big sword, and he's he's a big baddie in Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, that's that's my minor gripe. We can move on. (laughs) Yeah, and let's move on right into our playbill, and when we come out the other side, we've got a couple other things from E3 that we want to talk about. But in the meantime, let's uh, let's crack it open. All right. Cracking open a cold one with the boys. Hey, that's us. That's a meme from years ago. <laughs> it never died. Unlike some cold ones, this one has no expiration date. <laughs> All right, so Dylan, you you name dropped it earlier, and I I gotta know what's dude. You remember Macross? I don't remember. Anyway, you. dude, you remember? <laughs> dude, you remember Macross is a podcast, Chris, that I do with your friend and mine, gentleman and scholar Coop. Don't remember his last name. Love him anyway. I only know <laughs> one Coop in my life, so that's... he's the only Coop for me. He's the only coop for me. Um, and we watch this old 80s mecha anime called SDF Macross. We are actually nearly at the end of it. I think we're going to finish it by next week. Damn. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, SDF Macross is this cool old 80s mecha anime about, like, pop culture and, like, talking about the military's role in society and, like, how these weird two things intersect and it's also a romance. It gets very soap opera-y near the end. It's really fun. It's a good show. We bitch about it a lot. You should check it out. 
<laughs> and where um, can I listen to this great, great thing? We are on anchor.fm slash dude, you remember. That is D-U-D-E, you remember. Um, you spelled all the way out. I feel like that's important <laughs> to mention. <laughs> it's a hard title to... Uh... Anyway, uh, we are also on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash dude, you remember, and Twitter at dude, you remember. So, you know, please give us a listen. Yeah, it's a great time. I've been very much enjoying it. You should also check out our friends over at The Unexplored Places, an actual play podcast uh, currently in the Monster of the Week arc, but they're within really just a few weeks of finishing up their first season, at which point they'll be moving to uh, a different game system that I don't believe has been announced yet. Uh, But I'm going to be involved in that. I didn't spoil that on Dude, you remember. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to be involved in that. Dylan is also going to be at least tangentially involved in it as scheduling yes. allows. Um, yes. I've also, we've both been doing some recording with them for like Patreon exclusive stuff and in between season stuff. So you should definitely give them a check out. They are at, uh, you can find them at unexploredcast.libsyn.com or on Twitter at unexploredcast. Um, they, they make really good stuff. Yeah, it's they're, fucking They're great. all a joy to play with. <laughs> you should also be on the lookout for I'm not on the lookout for you should be listening to the podcast Unwell, a Midwestern Gothic mystery. Uh, I am very minorly involved in it. I'm going to be in episode 12, which is the final episode of the first season, but it's really fucking good. It's a really good spooky mystery podcast. It's got some of the best audio design I've like ever heard in a podcast. Uh, so you should definitely be listening to that. And if that doesn't sell you, listen all the way to the end and you'll get to hear me scream a lot. Um Oh, God, I'll pay for that. But yeah, you should definitely give them a listen there on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Uh, and you can find them on Twitter at Unwell Podcast. One more thing. We have a Patreon. We recently hit our very first goal. Woo! And it blows my mind. We're no longer losing money making this show. And that is incredible. And we want to say thank you to all of our uh, all of our patrons, especially because he pledged at the level where he gets this. Our friend Eric, thanks for donating, hey. Eric. Thanks for becoming a patron. You rock. Here's your one-time you, shout, shout out. I'm marking you as complete so I don't forget. <laughs> you did it. No, uh, we'll shout him out for the next 10 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but really, uh, thank you to everyone who has become a patron. If you haven't, you didn't know, and you want to check us out, our Patreon is at patreon.com slash bsgpod. And it's there to help us pay for all of the necessities of keeping this show running, but also to help us improve it and to help uh, incentivize us to make it better and to make more stuff. And if you like what we're doing and you want to show your support for that, uh, any amount that you can pledge would be incredibly appreciated. We're just a couple of independent artists trying to make our way in this big, big wild world. And the kindness of our listeners is incredible and we are humbled by you. So thank you. And don't forget to check that out if you want to help us out. And now let's get back into... God, I'm dying. A uh, <laughs> uh, couple of things. Before, before we get back, Chris, can yes. we talk about how all of these uh, rehydrated Ganondorfs look like uh, Knuckles the Echidna Gajinkas? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready, but you're totally right. Um <laughs> We're going to loop back to that. I want to end on a high note. Yeah, yeah, I understand. So before we dive into what exactly we just said, if you weren't paying attention to E3, uh, I want to talk for just a minute because it is important and needs to be discussed. I want to talk a little bit about Cyberpunk 2077. This is an upcoming game from CD Projekt Red, the Polish game studio that famously developed the Witcher series and is now working on this... um, cyberpunk open world action adventure sort of game cyberpunk 2077 was a roller coaster (laughs) of an e3 presence oh was it because they opened with the best thing to ever happen at e3 in which they revealed that kanye west is a prominent character in the game or rather is playing a prominent character in the game i need to lie down it's keanu reeves i'm glad i I caught you there i was about oh my god can you imagine Hey, what up? I'm Yeezy in the future. <laughs> 21st century schizoid man. Oh my god. Keanu Reeves, that human being who has a name, 
appeared on stage at the press a press conference to reveal that he was going to be a main a major character in this game, and like was pure and wonderful. Someone from the audience yelled that he was breathtaking, and his response was to point at the audience and just go, you're all breathtaking! It was so pure and so wholesome. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen anything that genuine at an E3 event. (laughs) Um, And then... Mm -hmm. People started, got to actually play the demo for Cyberpunk 2077. Okay. And... So it's something like you've been following this closer than I have. I, I have. I've kept, I've kept an eye on it, and it hasn't sounded amazing, but... Uh, so, yeah. for one thing, just mechanically, it's apparently like the gunplay isn't very good. The things you can do sci-fi-wise that set it above just being like a run-and-gun kind of game are like not as imaginative as you would hope for like a bright, neon-colored sci-fi cyberpunk world. It sounds a lot like it's having the same problems that the original Watch Dogs yeah, is Yeah, very, very similar. There's, there's been some comparisons to that. Mm-hmm. But also, the demo level of the game features you as the player character taking on a gang that is referred to as the animals, animals, right? yeah. animals mm-hmm. who are all black people. Aren't they like Haitian or is yep, that the they're other all, gang? <clears throat> no, the, the animals are black people who are obsessed with the juice, which ain't the nicest thing to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and the other prominent gang is a gang of Haitians called the Voodoo Boys. Oh, yep, there it is. And so, you know, it's nice to see that in the year of our Lord 2077, 2077. sci-fi world, we're still doing that. <laughs> Um, and then to make matters worse, there is a... Let me let me make sure I get this right. Uh, okay. I'm going to Google image search something are you, really quick. Are you talking about the poster? I'm sure as hell talking about the poster. Yep, okay. So maybe I, I, I did read as much as you did. I just blocked a lot of it out of my mind. I remembered the poster. <clears throat> I remembered so yeah, the animals. Forgot about the voodoo boys. Yep. Uh, and then there's a poster that you run across in the game. <clears throat> very brightly lit, and it's a poster for a a fictional soft drink in this sci-fi world. And the poster features a an attractive looking female presenting person with a the outline of a very prominent penis, and it says, "Mix it up." And that's a little tone deaf. And members of the trans community and the LGBT community at large sort of called them out on this, and the response was something like. Oh, well, it's satire. It's a body being used to sell things. And it's like, okay, that's fair. It's still real tone deaf. And it's still... Especially especially coming after Keanu being on stage. Kind of, it was so pure and so wonderful that people kind of forgot about. Someone, uh, the CD Projekt Red social media uh, Twitter manager being, making like an attack helicopter joke. Yep. Yeah, no, the, the CD Projekt Red makes good games. The Witcher 3 is a great game. They also have a less than stellar track record, and I don't have, like, the receipts open in front of me, but they have a less than stellar, stellar track record when it comes to being respectful of the LGBTQ community. Yeah. And so, maybe this is intended as satire, but... It doesn't read very well. It doesn't read very well, and it doesn't matter if you intend something as satire, if you're using a depiction of a marginalized group as satire, and then that group is like, hey, this is yucky, and your response is, no, but it's satire, that's bad. So, at least from what I remember, because I I read the interview, it was more like, hey, so people are raising some eyebrows about this, what do you have to say on that? And so, like, the the lead art designer, I think, she, she basically said, like, it's satire in that, like, I th- I think, I believe that all humans are attractive, like, regardless of gender or how one presents. But, you know, this is a corporate corporation using a trans woman's body as advertisement and as window dressing and as a prop. And that's not good. And so I see the intent. Yeah. The intent is... I like you know rather than just it's just satire, bro. I I, yeah, I can no, see like, that there's a clear measured intent. However, you can't comment about using trans bodies as props 
while you're using a trans body as a prop. Yeah, you you can't have your have your cake and eat it too in that way. Yeah, if you have if in the game, and really you should you should have shown this character off. You have a prominent trans character who is portrayed in a sympathetic or empathetic light. Is there so that we can confront these issues head on? Then it becomes a bit more clear. But as it stands, like you know, satire or making a statement means nothing if, like, there's nothing to point the direction of the conversation. Yeah, exactly. And this has led to, like, just want to throw this out there. If people on 4chan are saying, this game is for us, you might have messed up somewhere along the line. (laughs) Oh, boy. Did people on 4chan say Yep, people on the slash POL, which is the political thread. Oh, no, that's the worst one. I know. They were like, (laughs) C-Day Project Red is making a game for us. And it's like, ooh. Ah, uh, yes, us, the white man. I ain't gonna play this. <laughs> also, I mean, this goes without saying, but, like, we're a couple of cishet dudes, so, like, if we have put our foot in our mouths in ways that we're not aware of in discussing this issue, like, let us know on Twitter. Let us know. Like, we, oh, yeah. like, we want to do better. By um, all means. Hold us accountable, by all Yeah, means. like, please please do. Uh, we were talking about this because we think it's yucky, too, but if we talked about it insensitively, like, let us know. We can do better. Uh, we will. So, yeah, we just... I wanted to bring that up because, for one thing, it's an important thing for people to be aware of, and for another, it's a really good example of what happens when that, like, let's make people talk about our shit machine goes awry, <laughs> mm-hmm. and suddenly people are talking about a game for not at all the reason you wanted them to. Yeah. <laughs> And speaking of that, let's get back to your comment about sexy Ganondorf. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for not editing that out, by the way. Oh, of course not. That killed me. Um, <laughs> so the the last game that we want to talk about, Nintendo, for their Nintendo Direct, showed a bunch of cool stuff, uh, several games that I'm very excited for. And then the the like the stinger at the end of their conference was that they revealed that they are making a sequel to Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, famously the worst Zelda game. Yeah, terrible. Um, Wonderful game, game of the year. But (laughs) (laughs) that joke is only funny for us. Yeah, like... (laughs) Um, I I can only imagine someone who just started listening right now and, like, is like, Breath of the Wild, terrible, what? (laughs) (laughs) No, we love... We both love Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild's really cool. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But they did this through a short cinematic trailer that is a really good trailer for doing exactly what we're talking about and getting people talking. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't reveal a ton, but what it does reveal is a fairly major character redesign of Zelda, a mysterious, gaunt, zombified-looking man Who imprisoned. Who think is the series longtime villain Ganondorf. Yeah, who has been imprisoned beneath Hyrule. Uh, and it we see this discovery and then some sequences of like peril and that's it. And it's like the game is in development. And the internet has gone bananas. <laughs> and I love it. Um, yeah, it's so good. So many people are doing art of like Zelda with her new short haircut because it's adorable. Yep. A lot of people, myself included, are speculating that this redesign means that Zelda's going to be a playable character. I would which, love for her to which be the main would character. would be incredible, and also, notably, the director did not shoot that idea down when asked about it in an interview in the way that he did when the same question came up when Breath of the Wild was first teased. Yeah. So, make of that I, what I you I think will. enough people have shown excitement about the possibility of, A, a playable Zelda, and B... Back when people thought Breath of the Wild Link was going to be a woman. Yeah. Like, they... The writing has been on the walls for that coming for a while, and I'm just... Yeah. I'm hopeful that this will finally be the one that does it. Shortly after that trailer was yeah. revealed, <laughs> uh, you know, Link has... Link has more or less, like, he had a... You know, even though he's a silent protagonist, through his story, he has a character arc in Breath of the Wild. Whereas, like, you know, Zelda... Her character has directions it can go, and I think a lot of people, a lot of uh, critics of Breath of the Wild, one of, I, I think I, we should mention real quick that even though we, we joke about people who don't like Breath of the Wild, there are legitimate criticisms that can be leveled against oh, it. And one absolutely. of them is that Zelda, her character arc didn't feel very complete. 
So this is actually a really good opportunity to do that. Yeah, so well, fingers I, crossed. I texted Dylan and I was like, here's my theory. One, Zelda character redesign. Two, Zelda character arc much more open. And he just texted me back in all caps. Are you saying what I think you're saying? <laughs> um, but then the internet has also, like Dylan said, the theory that is coalesced is that this skeletal figure shown in the trailer is Ganondorf, this longtime villain of the franchise. And it's based on the sort of character design. There's very there's some similarities in like costuming, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Uh his des- the design is consistent with the portrayal of the Gerudo in Breath of the Wild and in previous Zelda games, which Ganondorf was a Gerudo. Um and also just like the color scheming is right. He's it's shown with like long red hair. Mm-hmm. But it's also just like, and Nintendo knew what they were doing. They knew that they were going to give just enough to let people theorize their heads off. Yeah. Like, and I people... think Nintendo is well aware of how into Zelda canon Zelda fans are. Oh, yeah. Uh, but just like the, the amount of like, people have started drawing what they're referring to as rehydrated Ganondorf, <laughs> in which they draw like based on the design of the skeleton man, like young ripped sexy men <laughs> and it's maybe my favorite thing the gaming community as a whole has started doing in a long time it's uh it's hunkendorf hunkendorf is very good <laughs> but yeah like that just another very good example of like e3 and things like are all about creating the opportunities for us nerds to get up in a tizzy in a tizzy telling each other stories yeah. and creating imagined possibilities out of the snippets that we are throw- shown and the the crumbs that the game studios sweep off the table and into our waiting mouths. Sometimes to uh, setting ourselves up for crushing disappointment. <laughs> cough, 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 anthem. Um, cough, 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 Final Fantasy 15. What? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that we, you know, this is our way of engaging with E3 a little bit in a way that stays a little truer to our uh, presence and our brand. But also, like, I don't know, I'm wildly excited to see what the Breath of the Wild 2 turns into. Um, I love E3. E3's big and dumb and in a lot of ways, like, real problematic. But it also, like, is one of the few things that, like, even if it's just for the instant that the reveal happens and then everyone's angry at each other again afterwards, it's one of the only things that, like, brings the gaming community together. Yeah, a lot of people refer to E3 as Gamer Christmas, but I, I hate that term. <laughs> it's so I dumb. I fucking despise it. It's so dumb. Uh, so It's I, Gamer I, Festivus. Yeah, I, I, I prefer like likening it to, you know, draft day. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a big, cynical a big corporate thing. Event. Yeah, but it's one that makes a lot of people happy. Or and, angry. Or angry. Or confused <laughs> anyway that was that was fun i'm i'm gonna be watching to see what happens with all of these games and what happens with a bunch of ones we didn't have time to talk about because i could not with all of my heart if i tried i could not bring myself to say interesting things about tom clancy ghost recon oh god uh, <laughs> yeah oh man ubisoft from what i saw was a disaster it was it, this isn't that co- podcast <laughs> the coolest thing they announced was breath of the wild but not Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That was uh, that uh, gods and monsters, gods and heroes. I think gods anyway, and heroes. Yeah. whatever it's called. That's that's neither here nor there. Thank you all for listening to <laughs> Backstage Gaming. We hope you had fun. Uh, if you like what we're doing, you should check out our website at BSG Pod. Where's <sighs> where's, our, where's Metroid w- Prime? Wait, 4? actually, Chris, when's our Prince of Persia episode? <laughs> it should have been months ago, but we'll get on that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, All right, yeah, let's do our sign out. I'm yeah, sorry. Thank you, to... thank you for listening. Uh, Interject. We would, we love that you come and listen to us every week, or if it's your first time here, we hope that you had fun, and we hope that we didn't scare you off talking about sexy rehydrated Ganondorf. Um, thank you for inviting us into your home to talk about And into your ear. Uh, you should check out our website at bsgpod.com. There you can find all of our episodes. You can get them direct from the source. You can also send us... Uh, anything that you want to through our contact form. There's some bios about me and Dylan. You should also check us out. We are, our podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on the Google Play Store, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, really. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review, leave us a rating, tell people about us, help us grow, help us find more audience members to uh, to to invade the ears of. 
like a virus. <laughs> a sexy virus. Oh. Not the sexy as rehydrate the Ganondorf, though. Mm-hmm. Give oh, us man, a I... social media. <laughs> <laughs> Give us social media, you clown. Nah. Um, okay, worst case scenario, though. Breath of the Wild 2 comes out and Ganondorf is hideous. Oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> Nintendo just spitting in the face of everyone. Anyway, if you want to send me pictures of Hunkendorf, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> but you can do that on Facebook or no, Twitter. I want only handle- the most wholesome images of cute Zelda and Link adventuring together. Yeah, that that is my lifeblood. But, uh, you know, you can find us on Facebook. You can... Uh, find us on twitter our handle is at bsg underscore cast and we are on youtube and you know if you want to get our attention to betray me and show me that hot hot ganondorf bod use the hashtag <laughs> bsg pod that is playing with fire pod <laughs> um also if you like our key art that we use um that was provided to us by our friend brennan french you should check out his art at on his Squarespace, uh, brennanfrench.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N hyphen French.squarespace.com. You can also check him out on Instagram at instagram.com slash brennanfrencharts. No hyphen. Uh, you should also <clears throat> give a look to our good friend BioQuery. He is a musician and producer out of L.A. He did our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1, Instrumentality. Uh, you can check him out at soundcloud.com slash bioquery. That's B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. Or you should search for him on Spotify. He actually just last week put out a uh, a new short album that he produced featuring a whole bunch of other musicians out of L.A. that I have not yet listened to, but it looks rad. That is um, sick. It's called Lynx, Volume 1, and you should give that a listen on Spotify and uh, help spread the word. And one more time, we're just going to plug our Patreon again hitting that first goal was such a cool thing and we really appreciate uh everyone who's donated to make that happen more goals mean we're able to do more things and make the show better and uh keep growing this crazy thing that we're trying to do so if you like what we're doing and want to show us some love please consider heading over to patreon.com slash bo what the fuck (laughs) patreon.com i (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Head over to patreon.glorp slash fleeb. Oh. Bioquery. To give him money <laughs> instead of us. Patreon.com slash bsgpod and uh, consider helping me pay to learn how to talk. <laughs> we love you. We love everything that you do. Keep Goodbye. up the good fights. Rehydrate yourself. So you can become honky like Ganondorf. I'm going to go cough into a corner until I die. Goodbye. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 